Welcome into Rick Renner, Texas High School Hysteria. Make sure you tune in to our weekly show on YouTube, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Odyssey, or any of your favorite streaming platforms. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. Joining me now, one of the most accomplished Texas high school coaches in state history. He has seven rings spinning under a spotlight in the middle of his living room. I could go on and on. He's also won a three-peat at two different schools. Ladies and gentlemen, my longtime friend and his grandson, Warren Dodge, it's Todd Dodge, the quarterback whisperer. How you doing there, buddy? I'm doing great, Rick. I sure appreciate you having me on, and it's it's a real thrill to have uh, Warren Dodge Kensler here with me uh, to be able to share this time. So I wanted to let everybody see him. He's eight months old. Now, he looks like a linebacker, but, you know, there's probably a good chance that he could be another one of those great Dodge quarterbacks. Well, you never know. Right now, he is uh, he just got through with a, a bottle. He's uh, he's scooting around. Um, he makes a, he's got some great looking teeth. He got four teeth right now. So uh, he is absolute uh, joy right now. Now, this is Molly's son, and I love how well behaved he is on camera. I, I didn't yeah. realize that there was a Todd Dodge daycare center. I need to get yep. in on that. Yeah, you need to get on that uh, right out here at Horseshoe Bay. And so he is, he's a good boy. It's funny you talk about Horseshoe Bay. I, you know, I kind of figured that you would be retired playing golf three to four times a week, but you might be the busiest ex-coach in the <laughs> country. I mean, it's really amazing how much you're working in retirement. Well, I just figured in the, uh, well, the first year of retirement, um, my time that I'm least busy right now is right in the middle of football season, uh, if you can imagine. So there's really no one to train. Um, there's really no one to train uh, because everybody's playing on their team. So, you know, I, I do some quarterback training. I do some camps. Uh, and then during the season, uh, Lisbon and I do a little traveling to come see these guys and uh, Riley and, and Tate and Landry and, and Blakely up in Southlake. And uh, he's he's about to choke me here. <laughs> he, he's got pop. He's got pop all stuff. So uh, Warren is is going to say bye to everybody. All right, bye bye everybody. Bye Warren. Thanks for making our show. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Rick. So um, so right now I do I'm doing some quarterback training. I got some camps. Uh, you know, just kind of scratch the itch stuff. You know, when you do this thing for uh, 36 years. You can't hardly go cold turkey on it. You got to kind of ease yourself into it. But uh, right now, uh, I think from our eight years at, at uh, Westlake, probably the last five, we probably got about 15 kids playing college football right now that I coached. And so one of the things that Elizabeth and I like to do is travel uh, in the fall and watch those guys play. Tell me about your football camp and what you're doing. And I know, you, you know, kids are coming from all over the state to learn from you and how you yeah. do things because of all your success. Uh, you've had a lot of camps in Austin. I know you'll have one in San Antonio, also in Port Arthur. Uh, yeah. You know, how much do you enjoy doing all that? Oh, I love it. Uh, this is the 31st year, if you can believe that. Uh, when I went to coach for Dennis Parker in 1992, uh, as a probably 28-year-old quarterback coach at North Texas, uh, he told me that I was going to have a specialty camp in my wildest dreams that I think it would still be going on. But, um, 
you know, I played for a guy, you and I've talked about this before, a guy named Ronnie Thompson in Port Arthur, Texas. I still think to to this day he he may be the greatest combination quarterback, wide receiver coach in building the relationship between those two units. And that's one of the things I just want to give back. Uh, I've got a, a, a great group of young coaches that work the camp with me. Okay, going route stations, quick game. Quick game. We've got the uh, team. Patriots. Patriots right here. Team. Uh, Dolphins. Dolphins, middle. Team. Raiders. Raiders, down there. Team. Panthers. Panthers, down there. Vikings. Vikings, middle. Vikings. Let's roll. Let's roll. Two. One. Two. One. Two. Four. There you go. There you go. Mind your left. Let me oh, oh. I don't mind your left, right, because that's going to happen naturally. But get yourself back here. You got me? Because what's happening is y'all are going boom and then throwing it, and it's not timing out good. If you'll sit here and go bam, bam, and then one ball, it's going to be right on his back shoulder. Okay, here we go. Yeah, and I know that, uh, you know, we just saw your grandson. There's another grandson that was at one of your recent camps, and uh, he looks like the next generation, uh, you know, Dodge quarterback and he can really really spin it how do you keep the nil people and all the college recruiters <laughs> away from him well that is tate riley dodge and he is eight years old and i've told him he's been he's been wearing me out about coming to camp papa when am i going to get a camp when am i going so i told him i said when you turn eight years old you can come to camp of course the camp is rising fifth through so he's a little bit young but he handled himself well and i was really proud of him uh, as he came to camp and it was an absolute thrill having him with me for three days. So, uh, and Tate got to be the ball boy this year. He He's officially a ball boy at South Lake Carroll this past year when he was in first grade, he got to be ball boy at, uh, for, uh, for Riley's team. Yeah. It seems like he's following in his dad's footsteps. I know he was a gym rat back yeah. to your days at Cameron. Yo, you know, people forget about what a decorated quarterback you were uh, you know, in Port Arthur at Jefferson High School there, you were the first Texas high school quarterback to throw for 3,000 yards. Yep. Back when you did it, I mean, that was kind of seven on seven before seven on seven. Mm -hmm. Did you realize how special that was at that point? No, I really didn't um, because, you know, I, I was there in Port Arthur, uh, down there inside. We were kind of sheltered. We played for a guy that was way ahead of his time. Um you know, I always could throw the ball a little bit as a young kid coming up, and he he saw something in me. But when Ronnie got to uh, to TJ in 1978, um, you know, he started gradually putting it in. And, I mean, in, in my junior and senior year, we were throwing the ball 30 times a game, and that was unheard. Everybody else was running the split back veer and the wishbone. Um when you say seven on seven, there was no such thing as seven on seven, but our football team did seven on seven against each other during the summertime. We met uh, every afternoon in offense versus the defense of secondary and, and move the ball up and down. The field. So we were doing seven on seven uh, in the late seventies, early eighties. It's funny too, when you think about it, you know, uh, the way football is nowadays, you, you were the first one to get to 3,000 yards passing. Riley threw that probably just in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, you and I have talked about this before. I've had, uh, gosh, Riley in his 
two-year career uh, as the starter, uh, threw for probably 1,200 more yards than I did both of those years uh, in the year that I broke the record. Yeah, so, um, you know, what a thrill to to coach my own son, you know, back in the day. Uh, it's been nearly 15 years now since Riley and I were together uh, as a uh, player and coach, and now uh, it's such a thrill for me to get a chance to go back and now watch him coach and watch him lead his team, and I'm just just so proud of him. Yeah, you think about what he's been able to do in that community. Uh, I, I remember when he was thinking about going for that job and he was such a young kid, uh, you know, going for that with, you know, limited coaching experience going in, but just a 28-year-old being around you and, and you know, Cliff Kingsbury and, and his stint at Texas A&M and at Texas, we knew that he could do this, but for him to jump in and get the kids in the community to buy in right away, how was he able to do that? Well, he knew that he he knew what the blueprint looked like. Uh, he knew what part of the blueprint had dropped by the wayside, and he knew he needed he knew the repairs that need to have happen. Uh, you know, if if there was ever a twenty eight year old that could come into a place like that uh, and get it done, it was him. Um, you know, it, it's tough though. You know, I always tell Riley how much of a tougher job it is for him because. When I got the job in 2000, I was just some other guy coming in from another place, you know, uh, and when Riley got the job, this is his alma mater. I mean, he's this is his hometown, so there's a little bit more pressure on him. But, yeah, I think he's like 66 and five or something like that over five years. And, uh, you know, it's it's a real thrill for me right now to get a chance to watch him coach on a day to day basis and, and watch him run that program. Yeah, it's really remarkable what he's been able to do success-wise. Uh, you know, no one is ever going to be able to do 79-1 and one four state titles in, in five years, which your teams did. But he is not very far off. You know, a no. state championship run against you, uh, state semifinals as well. He goes to the quarterfinals every single year. Yeah. It is remarkable the kind of success that he's thrown out there. No, absolutely. And uh... – you know, it's not an easy road either. They play some really tough teams, uh, not only late in the playoffs, but early in the playoffs. And, you know, they, they've gotten by Duncanville, uh, you know, just like we got by North Shore the year that we met each other. Uh, there's a lot of people in the state of Texas on that, on that uh, you know, Saturday afternoon in early January. Uh, never thought that Westlake would beat North Shore and that South Lake Carroll would beat Duncanville, especially on the same day. And we did. And uh, so Riley has uh, not only been consistent and I don't think he's lost a district ball game since he's been there, but he also has once he's beat some really good people. Really, really fun to watch. And, you know, I was the guy when he first got that job that predicted it, that we were going to get Dodge Bowl one. I said it was going to happen. Everybody laughed at me because we didn't think Austin Westlake and South Lake Carroll would end up in the same division for it to happen. When you look back at Dodge Bowl and how special that day was, what was that week like leading up to the big game? And I know it was difficult because it was a lot of emotions for your wife, Elizabeth, dealing with rooting for both sides of the battle. Mm -hmm. And how many bragging rights do you have on Riley for, for the rest of life? Well, the uh, as far as the week goes, and, and I, I reflect back on it now, people ask me that, it probably was the easiest week for me um, personally in, in all of the seven state championship uh, games that we uh, have been in. 
because the media didn't want to talk to me. They wanted to talk to Elizabeth. I mean, it was, it was, it was great. I just kind of got a bebop along and run my football team and, you know, that, and she was busy all week long and she did a fabulous job of representing our, our family. Uh, probably the really Rick, the most memorable thing for me and it always will be is uh, we were the first father and son duo ever to, to meet in a state championship game and play in a state championship game. Uh, I don't know that uh, that'll ever happen again. Uh, uh, I hope it does for some uh, father and son, because it's an absolute thrill. Now, actually playing against uh, your son, I, I don't, I've never even got a whole lot of thrill out of playing against really good friends, much less my own family. But, you know, those two football teams, went through a lot, just like a lot of teams did going through COVID and earned their way to that state championship. And, um, you know, it was a big, it was a big time win for her, us here at Westlake. And, and Elizabeth, I think she stayed as grounded as possible. Yeah. She did an unbelievable job. And I know she had that split uniform uh, <laughs> Jersey yeah. uh, rooting for both teams on that. Well, let's go back to your, uh, um, your, your Jefferson days, your Thomas Jefferson days there yeah. in the Port Arthur area those teams were so much fun to watch. We talked about you being the first quarterback to ever get to 3,000 passing yards in state history. But that team was so darn good yeah. that the great Shea Walker will tell you that he was just a role player on that team. There was a fabulous four, and you were in that group, where all four of you guys were all state, some in multiple positions on both sides of the ball, right. and all of you went to the University of Texas together. Yeah. Talk about those guys and that team. Well, it starts with Brent Duhon, uh, still to me uh, in the top three greatest high school wide receivers in the history of the state of Texas. My my real goal right now is to help get him into the the uh, Texas High School Football Hall of Fame. He he deserves to be there. Uh, but I mean, he caught ninety two balls in nineteen eighty. Ninety two is a whole bunch now. He had like ninety two catches for twelve hundred yards and seventeen touchdown catches in nineteen eighty. Um, Robert Smothers, still the only guy in the history of the state of Texas at the law, at the largest classification to make first team all state both ways. He was the, uh, he was the other wide receiver. He had 57 catches for over a thousand yards and like nine touchdown catches as a, as a slot receiver. And then he, he also made all state. So he made all state at receiver and at, um, at free safety. And, uh, and then, Don Holloway, uh, rest in peace, my dear friend who passed away about two years ago. Don Holloway was our one of our starting running backs and our starting and uh, one of our starting linebacks. So he started both ways, made all state as at a linebacker and uh, first team all district at both uh, uh, running back and linebacker. So those four, and then you and then you go on from the guys that were a year younger. You got. Uh, we had Johnny Cooper, who was a year younger. He ended up playing at Texas. You had uh, Shea Walker played at uh, A&M. Uh, guy two years younger, who was my backup, Craig Stump, who's at Atascacita now, A&M. Uh, you had a guy named uh, – uh, last name Bob, played at Notre Dame. I mean, there were, I think, 13 Division One players. Wow. In those two uh, – in the three classes from senior, junior, and sophomore. So one of the things that I learned uh, in that in that season is we were loaded, and our coaches did a fabulous job of keeping us grounded and 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 winning. And you know, uh, 
but we came up short. We came up one one half of football short. And I, I tell people people to this day, they they don't people nowadays don't remember the the great TJ team unless you're from Southeast Texas. But had we beat uh, Odessa Permian in that state championship game, and kudos to them, they upset us. But had we beat them, we would have gone wire to wire. We still may be mentioned as one of the greatest teams uh, that ever played because we uh, uh, we were really innovative from our coach and we were very talented. Yeah, and, you know, another thing that really jumps out at me is, you know, as you guys were coming in to your own there, you had a one-win season. And you're yep. in a ridiculous district with people yep. like Port Natchez Groves, um, you know, and uh, West Orange Start. And back then, you didn't have four teams going to the playoffs. So you could go 9-1 and one and not even go to the playoffs. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that it's one of the untalked-about stories of that 1980 season. It was the first year that that you're considered 5A, you know, went from, you know, Class B to, you know, 4A jumped to 5A. So that was the first year. But – and we still only took one team. Port Natchez Groves went 8-2 and two in that season. Their two losses were to Port Arthur Thomas Jefferson and to West Orange Stark. West Orange Stark went nine and one. Their only loss was to us at TJ. And then we played Spring Branch Stratford in the third round of the playoffs. And we handed Stratford their third loss of the season. Well, guess who they the other two losses were in non-district? Port Natchez Groves, West Orange Stark. So the only three games that uh, a really, really good Stratford team uh, lost that year were all from District 26-5-8. Wow. That's just <laughs> unbelievable. Well, you go on to the University of Texas. Obviously, you do big things there. You set all kinds of passing records that stood for several decades. What did you take out of your Longhorn experience that helped you become one of the most decorated coaches in state history? Well, I knew that when I when I went to the University of Texas that I wanted to coach. Uh, I, there was no uh, figuring that out in college. I knew that when I went there that I wanted to be a high school football coach. And so um, loved my time there. Probably uh, the preparation for a football coach uh, in the state of Texas or really anywhere, but definitely in our great state. There couldn't have been a better training ground than for playing quarterback at the University of Texas because when you are a coach, uh, you you got to understand that uh, fans can be very fickle and you can get way too much credit when your team wins and you can probably get more blame than you deserve when they lose. And so uh, the time that I went through, I learned how to be the guy in town that couldn't buy his own dinner after we beat people like Auburn and Penn State. And who I've were also, both ranked at that time. And then you were number one against number two going into the uh, Red River shootout. That's right. I've also been the guy in Austin, Texas, that uh, probably doesn't need to uh, be going out to eat at night. You know, I mean, uh, you know, so I, I I tell, I used to tell Sam Ellinger, I said, Sam, you're going into your time here at UT. Um, I can, I can help you with everything from an emotional standpoint. I've been booed by 80,000 and I've had a standing ovation by the same 80,000 in the same afternoon. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, and I never have been bitter about that. That's one thing the good Lord has put on my heart that I've never been bitter about that. I've actually looked at it as a, as a blessing because it was preparation uh, for a coaching uh, career. And, uh, and that's part of being coaches. You have to be thick skinned. 
Yeah, you have to be tough. You know, uh, you can't let that stuff. Yeah, you can't let that stuff get to you. Yeah, and you know, you look at all the interesting people that you have been around, taking little bits of information along the way. You mentioned Ronnie Thompson, uh, obviously Fred Akers at the University of Texas, Ron Poe, uh, when you got your high school career going at McKinney uh, High School up in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. What kind of bits of information did you take from those guys that helped you become such a great coach? Well, um, Ronnie Thompson, probably the biggest thing is, uh, and still to this day, uh, you know, always, people always want to ask, you know, what's the name of your offense? You know, everybody wants to, are you, you know, power spread, or you spread, or you air raid, or you run and shoot, whatever. You know, and I mean, we're just an offense. But I always would say, okay, if you got to tag it, it would call our spread the wealth, meaning we're going to try to get the ball. Spread the wealth. I like that. Spread the wealth. We're going to try to get a ball in as many hands as possible and don't be – try to be hard to defend by personnel. And that's one thing that Ronnie did back. He did a fabulous job because people always will think about Dodge and Duhon. Well, yeah, I threw for 3,500 yards. I was a beneficiary of a lot of great players around me, Brent. But we had 2,000-yard running backs and another 1,000-yard wide receiver on that on that same team. So we weren't just a, a one- or two-man show. Uh, Ron Poe, just absolutely the biggest – you know, in my coaching career in year two to go work for him. Uh, he taught me the, taught me the professionalism of the, uh, of the profession and, and how to uh, put a staff together and how, and just how to, uh, you know, how to embrace the Texas high school coaches association. Um, and also he was one that uh, I really appreciate coach Poe because he, he's the one that really kind of allowed me to spread my wings and and there at McKinney we went from the I formation to you know to the spread in, in about 1990 with a guy named Max Naki and 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 that's where it really my career uh, as a play caller and as a quarterback developer kind of took off uh you know with Bob Ledbetter you know at at South Lake Carroll uh, I tell him every time I see him that I love him and I tell him thank you for for trusting me, you know, for believing in me. And he's a guy that gave a, uh, an unproven head coach. It did not have a, a, a winning record, an opportunity to come be the, uh, the head football coach at South Lake Carroll. Well, no doubt you knocked it out of the park. Uh, you know, I like to say about you, I've always said it on our telecast and I know you won't take credit for this, but I think you have changed football. I mean, you changed offenses because people tried to copy and emulate some of the things that you were doing. You look at the explosive offenses in this state, which led into the Big 12, and it went all the way up to the NFL. Do you sense a little bit of that? Well, they're uh, back about the late 90s, uh, early 2000s. In my opinion, as I reflect back, and I, I, I'm a history major, so I, I, I like history and I like to study the good things that have gone on and and try to do that again. And I've also looked at the things that haven't worked and say, let's put that by the side. But uh, there's a guy, you know, uh, Coach uh, Coach Harrell at Ennis, um, Coach Browse at Stephenville, um uh, Coach Allen at Highland Park and then myself at uh, at South Lake Carroll. There was about a six-year window right in there in the late 90s, early 2000s. There had been people that had chunked it around before, but no one had ever won. No one that everybody would say is pass first had ever won a state championship at 
the highest classification until those four kind of came around. And after a while, you had Ennis winning theirs on their deal. You had Stephenville on their streak. And then you had, by the year 2006, uh, you probably had a combination of probably seven to eight state championships on teams that were past first. And I think that's where it really, really took off. Um, and it, and it, and it did, it did feed up. Uh, you, you saw college football running stuff that was being run in the state of Texas. Uh, and then on into the NFL. Yeah. And it's been fun to see that explode all over the place. I mean, the big 12, the big knock on them was they couldn't stop anybody, but they would outscore you a little bit as well. Uh, I think about all the X's and O's and all the coaches that love to hear you speak. You've been at conventions, you've traveled all over the country, teaching offense, teaching quarterbacks. I know you still personally work with them. Uh, What do you enjoy about that whole process? You know, I enjoy just taking a, a, you know, a young rising, probably ninth grade quarterback, maybe even a little bit younger. And first of all, teaching them uh, the mental part of it about don't get too high with your highs or too low with your lows, teaching them about great body language. Um, you know, we have a system that has been tried and true on on how to throw a football. You know, there's a bunch of different ways to skin a cat and throw them up and um we, you know, I think that we've got a, a really good way of teaching a young player uh, how to throw a football efficiently, uh, how to read defenses efficiently, how to lead a receiver to from point A to point B and be accurate, uh, how to lead. You know, I always tell, you know, when we talk about to these young kids, we talk about leadership and boy, you, you get a bunch of rising you know, seventh, eighth, ninth graders together and you say leadership and you get some scared looks in their face because they're going, oh, <laughs> uh, don't expect me, you know, don't expect me to lead anybody. And I tell them, I said, it's okay. You don't have to be afraid of that. Can you encourage another human being? And they all kind of shake their head. Yeah, I could do that. I, what I mean, guys, is can y'all say, hey, what a great job you did today. Or, man, I know you made a mistake, but that's not like you. You're better than that. You know, just little things like that. And they don't understand that coming from the quarterback, that means a lot to their teammates. And so uh, I enjoy everything that there is surrounded. I used to tell people that during my career, there was a lot of different hats. I wore the hat of athletic director, of head football coach, of uh, play caller, of quarterback coach. And I used to tell our quarterbacks, I said, if they said you can only have one coach, you got you got four hats and you can only have one hat, it would be coaching quarterbacks. And, and that's been my passion through the years. And, and I continue to, to love to do that today. And you also were a psychologist too, a little bit there, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I think, I think sometimes you have to be, yeah, you absolutely have to be. Looking back at your time at South Lake Carroll, it was one of the most remarkable runs I've ever seen in my life. 79 and one, four state championships in five years. And I think the thing that's so remarkable about that run is the consistency despite the graduation of your greatest players. Right. How were you able to pull that off? Well, you know, through the uh, first of all, uh, when we first got there, uh, I wish I would have coined this phrase. It, it, uh, somebody asked me in the first spring, spring of 2020, excuse me, spring of 2000, excuse me. Coach, we need a, a, a slogan for next football season. Uh, we got to put something on T-shirt. This is one of the Booster Club ladies. And I just said, hey, Listen, I've been following this place for a long time. 
And we were right in the middle of almost going to high schools at the time. And I just said, Hey, while I'm here, the only, the only slogan we're going to have is protect the tradition. And boy, what I wish I would have, uh, uh, patented that at the time. I'm a, I may not, I may not need to be coaching quarterbacks anymore, but uh, I mean, it's become the rallying cry of the entire school district, but really that's what we, we came in to do. Uh, if it had fallen by the wayside a little bit, we wanted to bring it back to prominence. Um, the first two years, I think we lost to some people we shouldn't have, uh, we shouldn't have lost to because uh, maybe we disrespected our opponents a little bit. We learned a lot during that time. And so when we got into the 2002 season, we went up in classification. Uh, we had been to the semifinals in, in 4A uh, in 2001, got beat by a really good Ennis team. So we were one half of football away from going to, to a final in 2004. We had a lot coming back. So we go up in classification, and, and this group of kids said, I don't care what classification we're in. You know, we think we've got a team to do it. And we got on a roll. And offensively, we were tough to defend. It was new. Uh, we were going fast. Uh, we spread the ball around a lot of people. But uh, I'll get to the point now. My point is, and it's been at Southlake Carroll and at Westlake, respect your opponents. I don't think you ever put the kind of strings together that we put together if you've got a team that a coaching staff allows their team to get full of themselves. And we just never got ambushed. We never got beat by anybody we shouldn't get beat by. I mean, if we were, if we were supposed to beat them, we beat them. If uh, we weren't supposed to beat, beat them, we beat them. If we, if they were, you know, so we, we got on a roll there that, uh, and I always used to tell our team, I said, you know, if you ever see a big upset in football, to me, credit to the team that won, but the team that got upset, it probably disrespected their opponents. And that's one of the things that uh, you don't win or be as consistent of that if you're inconsistent in your attitude about yourself. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot now. I want you to rank your top five quarterbacks at Southlake Carroll because you are the quarterback whisperer. If you were going to rank them one to five, why would you do it and tell me who they are? I'm guessing I can figure out number one. Yeah, uh, the most consistent from a standpoint of dual threat, uh, understanding what we're doing, uh, in tune with me, would be uh, would be my son. Uh, Riley was, and and that's that's hard to say because the standpoint of how many great players there were around him. Next would be. You know, probably uh, in the dual threat, Chase Daniel, Greg McElroy, Chase Watson, and then a lot of people don't remember him, but Ricky Lay. Oh, yeah. And he was the first one in, in 2000 and 2001. And uh, and I would really, when you say that, you rank, rank those, they could all be 1A, 1B, 1C. I mean, they, they all – the only one of them that didn't win a state championship uh, was the was the one that's in the, that fifth spot, and he was the uh, he was the offensive player of the year in four A. Uh, Riley was the offensive player of the year two years. Uh, uh, Chase was the offensive player of the year two years. Greg was the offensive player one year. Chase Watson was the offensive player one year. 
Um, and so, I mean, it's you really, I mean, you say I, I'm very blessed and, uh, and I am proud that we won multiple championships with, with multiple quarterbacks. Yeah. Pretty amazing. A lot of player of the years in there, no doubt about it. Heck, Chase Daniel is still holding a clipboard in the NFL. <laughs> He's going to have an unbelievable pension. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. This is his 15th year, Rick, in, in the league. It's 15th. Rem remarkable. Hey, I've always wondered the, you know, all those great state championship teams, there was all, always the bleach blonde hair. Mm -hmm. Did you come up with that? How did that ever start? No, that wasn't me. Um, in, in 2000, when we, we made the playoffs, and uh, so my first year there, and I, I had a team meeting on Monday, always had a team meeting, you know, at uh, 7.30 on Monday morning, and I walked into the locker room, and I got a bunch of little M&M wannabes, you know, I mean, <laughs> you, I mean, they all, they all had their hair bleached blonde. I go, what in the world is, they had already started that a few years before, and then it, and it, you know, I mean, it really took off with us, I guess. It is really funny how, as the years have progressed, I don't know about with Hal and with, with Riley, but I used to have, like, captains would come in and they go, Coach, uh, we were thinking about maybe all just, you know, shaving our head this year, you know, instead of bleaching the hair. I go, guys, I don't – I don't care. <laughs> I said, you know, blonde is actual, it's an actual hair color. You can actually get in school. I said, just don't color your hair, any color that breaks the, the, the dress coat. I said, I don't think, you know, I don't think blue is going to be good. You know, I don't think green would be good. You know, I don't think whatever I said. So, and really what they wanted me to do is they wanted to tell me not to do it. I said, hell, I'm not doing that. I said, <laughs> and so it's been going on. I would venture to say probably since about 1996 is probably around when it started. That playoff hair, you know, it's a yep. little blonde from the mother's side, the father's side, and from peroxide. Well, I'll tell you, it, it's interesting. In 2006, when Southlake Carroll played Westlake in the state championship, Westlake's uh, tradition at the time was when they got to the playoffs, no one shaved. You did not shave. No, obviously like when I was in high school, it wouldn't have mattered, but some of these guys. So you got at the, at the, at the state championship game, you got a bunch of bleach blonde guys that have been bleach blonde for six weeks and, and, and it's, and it's not looking good. And then you have a bunch of guys that are, have, are unshaven and they play each other. And I'm telling you what, it looked like the gnarliest group of uh, high school kids, you know, it looked like a, a couple of biker gangs got together to, to play a football game. That is awesome. So after a stint at North Texas, you go down to Marble Falls, and this is just outside the Austin area. And what a record-setting performance we got to see from your quarterback, Mike Richardson, who threw for 725 yards in one game. That had never been done in state history. He had seven touchdowns. And by the way, you weren't running the score up because you needed every one of them to yeah. win that game, ironically enough, on a three-yard run. He had yeah. seven touchdowns passing. It was the third greatest performance in the nation's history as far as passing yards. Tell me what it was like after that. And did you have any idea that you guys were setting those kind of numbers with your offense? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> but knew that 
there's a really good chance going into that game that it was going to be an offensive shootout. It was really interesting at halftime. Have I mean, we're in the grind. I mean, we we are. I mean, the final score was like seventy-two to sixty-seven, something like that. I mean, it was a bunch to a bunch. One of the the linesmen, uh, one of the guys that does the chains, at halftime going in, he just I guess he thought I needed to know that we'd thrown for 475 yards in the first half. <laughs> and I didn't really need to know that, nor did I want to know that. All I knew is we got to go in and see if we can't uh, try to do that again because we were going to try to win the game. Um, yeah, when the game was over, the – uh, Mike set the all-time Texas record, 725 yards. The kid for the other team, for Bernie Champion, threw for 594 on the same night. It was a Thursday night game uh, there in Bernie, Texas. And so, needless to say, we, on Friday morning, Marble Falls was the epicenter for high school football in the country. Everybody wanted to talk to Mike Richardson. And Mike's such a great guy. Mike actually is the quarterback coach now at Vandegrift High School. And uh, I still keep in touch with Mike. And he was old country boy that could throw it and put the ball on people. And I think we had three, we had three wide receivers that caught over 150 yards worth of catches that game. And he's like, Coach, why are all these people wanting to talk to me? And I said, Mike, you did something that's never been done before. You threw, this is the first time anybody's ever thrown for 700 in one game in the state of Texas. Okay. So the rest of it, so it was a really a fun Friday. And I'm kind of glad we played on a Thursday because we got to get that Friday with, with all the people. I mean, we had ESPN, we had USA Today, we had every state organization, you know, uh, wanting to come in and talk to Mike, and, and uh, it was a special time. Well, you have made many headlines that go all the way up to Good Morning America and the Today Show, no doubt about that. So you move on to Austin Westlake, the national power. You take over a program that your father-in-law, Ebby Neptune, built, and I can't think of a better movie script, really, in your coaching career than to win three in a row and go off into the sunset as a seven-time personal state champion. Yeah. Well, um, it had al always been one of those bucket list kind of deals uh, ever since Elizabeth and I got married, uh, that if I had the opportunity, if God was willing, that I would coach at Westlake someday. We 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 wanted to go to Marble Falls because we'd never been in the, the Austin Hill Country area. Um, I'll never forget about mid-spring mid of uh, 2014, I get a call from uh, Nola Wellman, the uh, superintendent, and uh, she said, uh, can you meet with me at that, that little breakfast place in Johnson City on Sunday morning? And uh, our jo the job just came open here. And I said, sure. And we met in Johnson City and we, 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 uh, we chopped it up. I went through the interview process the next week and got hired like the last week of April. Um. The first year, we went eight and three and got beaten the first round of the playoffs. Second year, we we were a blocked uh, field goal away from being a state champion. So we went all the way uh, and got beat by North Shore in 2015, Sam's junior year. Um, 2016, he got he was hurt 
uh, only played in five games. I think we went 11 and three, got, got waxed by Lake Travis, two of those three. Um, then in 17 and 18, we had a little redheaded kid uh, named Taylor Anderson, who is just one of my all-time favorites uh, that led us to two semifinals appearances. And then, uh, and then we, and then we got the three peak going, but it was such a, it was such a thrill uh, to coach there to bring back some traditions that had fallen by the wayside to, to create some new traditions uh, to take a bunch of kids uh, that a lot of people in society would think are, are spoiled. Uh, They're, you know, they're uh, all about me, 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 and completely turn that around. And that's really what the, I mean, the Westlake kids and the Southlake Carroll kids have never been like that, but I think some people think it is some, some of the toughest hard nosed kids that I've ever uh, coached uh, a group of kids that were able to jump into an idea about practicing at five 30 in the morning uh, and, and making it kind of our calling card. Um, and then once again, one of the same things that we did at South Lake Carroll is if you're going to go on those kind of runs, uh, don't get too full of yourself. Uh, don't start listening to the social media and I always tell quarterbacks, I said, guys, Anybody who says that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread is probably going to be the guy next week that says you're a bum. So don't get, <laughs> don't, don't get caught up in it either way. You know, uh, you, you, you know, and, and, and we did as a team, we kept that extra layer of steel around the field house and uh, you know, probably, you know, one of the biggest things that led to, to our success and ending in the, the three P was the, the appearance, not the appearance, but uh, the presence of one Lake Travis football program. And, uh, you know, when I got to, uh, when I got to Westlake, I mean, God, they were, they were a booger bear now. I mean, they were something hard to deal with and it took us a little while to get them calmed down. And once, you know, I think the old, uh, the old adage about, you know, iron sharpens iron or whatever that is. Uh, we definitely did. I know that they were good for us because we always had someone right there next door to us. It was in, we were always probably for the seven of the eight years that I was there, we were all, both teams were in the top five in the state always. And so um, it was always great competition. Uh, Hank Carter, a friend of mine, um, but man, did these two groups groups of kids get after each other? Yeah, there's nothing like that rivalry. There is no doubt about that. And by the way, Hank just texted me. He said, "You never calmed us down." <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Westlake Nation is a very special community, and I think of this year. You know, their baseball team, and they've been competitive in everything. It seems like they're playing for state titles in all sports. We're seeing it in boys basketball, and very competitive in track and field. But this year they made it to state and baseball and the tailgate parties are always a spectacle in themselves. And often you will see a cardboard cutout of you <laughs> there. Uh, you know, they want your presence and they love it in that community. What does that mean to you that, that they love you so much? Well, I, I love Westlake and, and we started a little deal um, when we got there in 2014, we call it the Westlake quarterback club. And uh, it's just a little old, we we try to you know like a small town which Westlake really is within its own deal it's a pretty small community and I, I invite you know people who 
love Westlake football, come over to Rudy's and, you know, have a cup of coffee and breakfast taco and talk about last week's game. And, yeah, we don't show any video or anything like that. We just basically, you know, kind of just uh, celebrate Westlake football for about 45 minutes. I get a chance to brag on the kids that, that are kind of behind the scenes and don't get talked about a whole lot. And that kind of really, I mean, really fueled the fire for uh, not only the the parents of football players, but the parents of band members, the parents of drill team, parents of uh, guys, you know, that, that don't have a, a son in the program, may have daughters at play. I mean, we had, you know, people that would come to this meeting, you know, every Tuesday morning. A lot of them didn't have a dog in the hunt. They just wanted to celebrate Westlake football, and that's something that it really did my heart good as we went through the time. Uh, and we used to tell the parents, uh, just turn them loose to us. Trust us. You know, at some point in life, parents, you're going to have to trust the coaches that are coaching them. Jump right into the middle of this thing, this great thing called Texas high school football. I said, I'm going to be honest with all of y'all. There's only about 5% of any of your sons that I'm talking to parents right now that will ever go on and play past this deal. So why don't y'all just drink it all in right now? Have fun. And uh, boy, did they have fun. They trusted us, and we coached. <laughs> we coached them up, and they knew that we that we would treat their kids right. We'd love them up. We'd coach them hard. We coach them fair. But yeah, they they had some great uh, they had some great tailgate parties and some great uh, buses that they took to playoff games. And so yeah, it was a fun time. Fun time. Forty five and one during that three peat, and your second three peat. You know, being able to do that at two different schools. No other coach has done that in state history. Now I know it's hard to dwindle down, but if you were able to come up with your top five players that played for you with the chaparrales, who would they be? God, that is so hard. <laughs> you know, you just have to start looking at production, I guess, you know, Sam Ellinger. I'm trying to go in, in the, the, the time frame. Um, Oh gosh, we stumped Todd Dodge. I didn't think it was possible. Well, the thing about it is, is that you got okay, uh, uh, okay. Here's one that uh, Michael Taft, who was the two-time defensive MVP of, of state championships at at safety and at corner. He he walked on at UT. Uh, then you got Cade uh, Klubnick. So I got two quarterbacks. I got a safety. I'll have to throw Jaden Greathouse in there because he started like 64 games. And then, uh, golly, defensively, um, I can't even hardly, I can't even hardly tell you. There's so many great players on defense. You know, I'll I'll just take one to represent another day is is uh is Vosick, is Connor Vosick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Colton Vosick, his younger brother's Connor. You know, I mean, that's – so, you know, I and I didn't that, – that, that's a really tough one. That's yeah, really you know, I, I look at those teams and they just were so all around great. I mean, even the special teams, you had yeah. role players that, you know, would run through a wall for you. Kids have always done that. And, you know, Cade Klubnick was so much fun for us to cover. And I think back to when he was an underclassman, there was a heck of a quarterback competition at that point. 
and you didn't know which way it was really going to go. Obviously, injuries played into it, but mm -hmm. once he got that shot, he took it and ran with it, didn't he? Well, I tell you, uh, Rick, that was something in 36 years of coaching that I thought that I would never do. Um, I am about training quarterbacks, getting them ready, but I've never been about a big quarterback by committee guy. And we went into the 2019 season, and I had two rising seniors, okay? Uh, had a guy uh, – Named Willoughby, uh, and then my, and then my other my other big one, you know, and then I had Kate Klubnik. Misho, okay. yeah, I had Misho, I had Willoughby as rising seniors, and then I had Kate. Well, those two seniors, I love both of them. They both had done nothing to lose a job. One of them I really respected because he was a big time baseball player. Most guys in his uh, Misho, most guys would have gone straight baseball by his time. Willoughby was just football only. He would have transferred to some other school like a bunch of our Westlake kids did, and they all stayed. Well, then you had the young pup coming that I knew was our quarterback for the future. And so I told all three of them, I said, listen, guys, I'm not ready to, nor do I need to be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this the first three weeks of the season, and I'm going to play all of you pretty evenly. And after three weeks, I'm going to make my decision. Well, after three weeks, they are leading the state of Texas in passing yards. <laughs> they are leading the state of Texas in touchdown passes. Then they lead in the state of Texas in touchdown to interception ratio together, the three of them together. I mean, they're, they're throwing like six touchdowns a game between them. They're throwing for well over 300 yards. Uh, they're, they're at about a 74% clip. I said, guys, we're going to keep on rolling. You know, and then, <laughs> so, yeah, a little bit of injuries happened later on. And then we, we turned it over to Misho come playoff time. And he had one of the most fabulous playoff runs uh, that, that we had. But one thing I did is I had our quarterback for the next two years. Uh, Cade Klubnik had 100 and I think it was 14 quality snaps as a, as a sophomore. And so – that was part of the deal. We won a state championship. It did, that little that little project of mine didn't get in the way. How much do you enjoy following your former players? You think about Cade no. playing on the the big stage at Clemson. It, it, does it give you great satisfaction and pride that you know you were part of their development that got them there? And it looks like these guys are going to be all NFL guys. Uh, it is is such a thrill right now, especially with whatever everything Elizabeth and I always talked about. What our hobbies as a couple were was traveling, and we always used to laugh at that because we never get to travel because I'm coaching. But now we do, so we mix travel, golf, and watching our former players play all in one little in tidy bow, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, Nakia Watson is it is at. Uh, Washington State. We're going to go see him play this year. We got Jaden at Notre Dame. You got Cade. You got I've got five of them playing at Texas. So I'll be back at the Texas, uh, back at my tailgate at Texas this year. Uh, I never missed a home game when Sam was playing, but uh, I'll be back watching those guys. Connor Robertson is the backup center at Texas right now, and he is. I wish everybody had a chance to meet Connor. Uh, he is just one of the jewel human beings that you'll ever meet. Tough, tough on the field. What a tremendous ambassador for mankind off the field. And he texts me about once every three weeks. 
Uh, I've got Nick Morris that played for us. He's at Duke right now. Uh, I've got, uh, of course, big TJ Shanahan who will be at A&M. Uh, you know, they got the Twin Towers defensive ends at Texas. Uh, so I'm very blessed to have a lot of kids to go watch play. So you hand the keys over to the, of the Austin Westlake program to the great Tony Salazar. What an unbelievable coach he is. Yep. Arguably, probably one of the best defensive minds the whole country has seen. And we knew yep. you would be in good hands giving it to him. Uh, looking at what he was able to do in his first year, pretty impressive. Obviously, you you lose the player of the year in Cade Klubnik as he graduates, but yet Tony was able to continue the tradition that you talk about protecting so much Absolutely. and get to the state semis. They were right there knocking on the state championship's door. What do you think about the job that Tony's been able to do? Oh, he's he knows that there's a blueprint in place. He helped build the blueprint. Uh, we, we have gone out and executed it together several times, um, down the stretch of the last four years that I was there, uh, there, I made no bones about it to administration that I'm probably going to be leaving this deal in this time. This is the guy that I am. I just want y'all to know whether or not y'all make the choice or not. He, I'm grooming him to be the next head coach here. Uh, and I told Tony, I said, be patient. He said, if, I told him, I said, if we continue to win uh, at the clip we're winning at, it'll be a no brainer. And uh, I'm just so glad that we were able to do that. And, 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 and there was no drama about making Tony the next guy. Uh, basically, Rick, what they did is so Kirk Rogers, who was my longtime wide receiver coach, offense coordinator, I called the plays. He was my guy in the box. He moves over to coaching quarterbacks. They hire a guy to, to replace him at receivers, and they and they rock on. You know, the defense didn't change at all. You know, Tony just became went from defense coordinator to being head coach. Uh, I went from uh, head coach, offense coordinator to retired. And Kirk work, Kirk works into uh, the spot that I was in. And so there's a lot of continuity still there. Really fun to see them continue that success. Well, you're kind of an old school guy, but you've always had eyes on the future and how to get better with things. So where do you think football is right now uh, with the transfer portal, which is like free agency and the NIL? How do you feel about all that stuff? I, I am, a, I am a, a fan of NIL. And I say that to say this, I know what it feels like to be a college athlete and really not have any money. You know, I mean, I know that they're paying for you're paying for your your tuition and and your books and all that, but you know, not everybody, you know, when you go to, to college just has a whole lot of money rolling around. And now, when I played, there wasn't near the kind of money that's being made off the TV, but there's a ton of money being made on the on the backs of these young men, and they deserve some of it. I hope, I don't have the answer, but I hope that they'll come up with some kind of salary cap, maybe even field where, you know, each one of y'all get this, and that's what you get, you know. Uh, but I, I am glad that they are being taken care of and, and it sounds like taken care of. Well, I know Trample. you're a Texan. I know you're a Texan through and through. 
as you look at the Texas Longhorns with Oklahoma going to the SEC, what are your thoughts about that? How excited are you about that process? I'll be honest with you. I have to. It, I've told too many people, and they called me a liar if I said I was fired up about it. I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, I, I. I think I would have rather the. I'd rather the Texas and Oklahoma stay right there in the Big Twelve. Stay right, right where you are. Uh, but it. That's just me. You know, I'm a little bit old school in that. Uh, hell, I was sad when, when the when the Southwest Conference broke up because that's that's the league that I played in. But I just. I mean, sometimes it's. I don't think the grass is always greener. I think sometimes, you know, maybe we need to start maybe dominating the, the thing we're in before we go to need to go somewhere else. But I know money talks in a lot of ways. <laughs> but you do get that Texas, Texas A and M rivalry back going. Oh, yeah. That is that is something that's needed to be back. I I can't believe we've gone for, you know, well over a decade and and those two have not played. It's, that's just that's just not right. So that'll be good again. Usually going to run this out of split zone. I want him to mesh. I want there to be two skips, and then it's one, two, three, and hold. Okay. Uh, you're going to see some that I don't. The footwork I'm not crazy about. They're playing a little bit too high. I don't think you know. I will tell them. Does that really look like power read? Okay. But the idea is to two skippies, and I'm reading the safety. If the safety comes down, I'm going crack seam by one. I'm going wheel by two, which is going to be the, the, the Y or the halfback, okay? When you're the quarterback whisperer and you work with these kids and uh, turn them into great young men, how are you able to change them from good to great? Well, um, I think it, it's, it's all a, a process as they go through. Um, we start training them when they're in the seventh grade in our system, everywhere we've been. We have a a way to do that and to kind of call it down. So we're not just necessarily taking last year's best athlete when he's a junior in high school and trying to make him a quarterback. They have been training for the position. Um, you know, the first thing that they have to do within our, within our offense is they have to be absolutely spot on accurate in the, all of the stuff that is the glue that makes a no huddle offense work. That's all the quick passing game. That's the screen game. That's the sprint out game. All the non-sexy stuff. You know, I used to tell people right now, I, I, I try to teach our quarterbacks how for us offensively to live in second down in 3-2-1. And, uh, you know, over the last eight years, I don't know that at Westlake, at Southlake there was a bunch of years that we led the the state of Texas in passing yards and touchdowns. At Westlake, we have not necessarily led the state of Texas in passing yards because we're running the ball a lot better. But we have led the state of Texas in many years in touchdown passes. And um, so that's where we try to – just teaching our kids how how to not only throw a football but understand those little nuances in the game of football. Uh, the other thing is, is that during spring football practice, there comes that time – and all of all of the really good ones' careers uh, that they have to pay the pay the piper, so to speak. They have to put that take that red jersey off during the spring and let the bombs go off. And uh, we we have never babied our quarterbacks at any of our places. They've never been, you know, protected. And I tell them, I said, I'm doing you an injustice if I ever let that happen because you can't get as good as you can be.
Well, you've made such a big impact in this state. You made a big impact on me. So great to talk to you. You're such a Texas treasure. Thank you so much for doing this. And next time you're up here in the Metroplex, bring your sticks. Let's get out on the golf course. Well, I, I look forward to that, Rick. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for checking out Rick Renner, Texas High School Hysteria. Make sure you subscribe and never miss an episode. You can catch us on YouTube. Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Odyssey, or any of your favorite streaming platforms. Tune in, and we will see you soon.